Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 16 on the Sight and Sound list, Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford Coppola's nightmarish fantasia of the Vietnam War. Our second film this week is Slow Bullet, a bunch of LARPers in Florida doing improv monologues about war trauma. Do you think Slow Bullet was actually improvised? I cannot tell either way. Because it struck me as incredibly written. Just to say very written, you know? Sure, in in parts I I, I think there's very overwritten. But but also in, in, in the like scenes where it's just a like static shot of the co-writer of the film sitting in a basement for minutes on end, just, just like rambling into the camera. I, I, I think it's very likely at least some of that stuff is improvised. I yeah, I forgot he is also co-writer. That's possibly where the co-writer credit comes from. But like. One presumes, like, there's an obvious thing that unites Apocalypse Now and Slow Bullet, which is that they both, I assume, were torturous shoots that, that yeah. drove people mad. And they were, they're also ostensibly about set in the uh, uh, um, police action Americans took to destroy communism by uh, just massacring the Vietnamese. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, I just have, there's almost, we have watched worst films and we have watched a few better films, right? <sighs> but I've never felt the gulf between, watch back to back, because I, I did Apocalypse Now in two bits mm. and the, I watched the Kurt stuff, you know, when, when they got the, the last 40 minutes. Yeah. Going from that into Slow Bullet, which is immediately a action scene that you would see in like a precocious 12-year-old making a yeah. film, but then it cuts to close-ups and you're like, oh, that guy's like 50. And normally when that happens in that scenario, you're like, he's that's one of the parents who's joined oh. in, you know? But it is like... Man, Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah, it's it's a it's a like fifty year old guy and the one Vietnamese person in this like small Florida town. Yeah, well, we do. Yeah, we should come out with this first. The most shocking fact about Slow Bullet: uh, the credits are, are yeah, just like uh, photo booth filters of uh, uh, footage including some footage that they have clearly recorded by pointing a camera at a TV or screen. Yeah, um, it's some, like, actual Vietnam War footage of, like, uh, people getting murdered by machine guns. Yeah. And then some, I mean, some footage they shot of, I don't know, just, like, 
a dude running around with an obviously fake gun? Uh, I think they had one day where they got all the staff at the video store uh, and, like, their families to stand around because there are a couple of bits where they have quite a few people. But I think that was, like, half a day when they had everyone. Mm. But apart from that, it is four people. Well, and and in one scene, a helicopter. Oh, yeah. But they are Vietnam War guys. They did hire a helicopter for one day, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, in Florida, I presume that they're lousy. Oh, they're, sure. like, they're like foxes are in rural well, Britain. It just doesn't well, like, like there's one in your bins. Well, the, the thing with like helicopter shots in Florida is you just like you just tie a bunch of fan boats together and then point the fans down. Oh, yeah, of course. Or up. Who knows? The inner workings of a fan boat. Oh, someone. Someone must. Oh, uh, James Bond, because of uh, Die Another Day, when they use those fan boats in North Korea. Yeah, that uh, 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 that that character that Paula Tonkin starts on Comedy Bang Bang, who's a vigilante crime fighter uh, who, who who drives a fan boat. That guy. So yeah, the these credits are already horrific. Oh, for credits we get our first original song. Yeah. Oh, mate. Uh, this movie has an original heavy metal soundtrack by a band that I believe is uncredited. Well, maybe I just didn't finish watching the credits. No, there there a couple of the songs are credited too. The writer, uh, director, star du- duo, who also like, I'm ninety percent sure, like edited and shot it under Soderbergh style pseudonyms. Um, well, I feel like pseudonyms aren't even one of the co-writers was a guy called Kenneth Ward. I mean, I mean, in the credits under camera operators, one of them is listed as Kenny Ward. Yeah, they're not. They're not trying. No, um, no. I mean, no, they are really trying. That's the thing about <sighs> Slow Bullet. But yeah, in the end credits, there is a credit. There are credits for songs that are written by them, but performed by someone else. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the opening credits are our first original song. But you know, they introduce uh, our three lead actors, who are like Vietnam War guy, person he talks to, <coughs> his naked wife, and of course the one actor who is playing. All of the Viet Cong. That well, is the no. credit. He, he is not credited as playing all the Viet Cong. He's credited as playing VC. He's playing like the concept of the Viet Cong. I thought it was the VC, but either way, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, either way, we are forgetting the single best credit. the The cinematography hmm. uh, is by Norbert Staval. That's not the credit I'm talking right, about. Right, what I'm talking yeah. about, who is also a producer. The person I'm talking about is the person who I assume is his mother. You'll work out why I've made this assumption in a second. Because she is credited as executive producer, Francis, then in quotes, Big Mama Staval. <laughs> um, One of the other credits is something like, produced in association with Big Mama's Filmworks, which is the like video store that... She ran, I guess. Yeah, from based on the logo we see, Big Mama's Filmworks was largely a place where uh, uh, a sexy hat with lips offers you VHS tapes. So, yeah, it does seem to me from the outside, I guess, that that Slow Bullet, I assume, had a quite tumultuous production. And that's because of how much of it is so drawn out like 
the one piece of intent I can tell on these filmmakers' behalf is that they wanted to make a feature film. That is why we see almost every bit of footage, at least twice, non-speaking bit of footage. Yeah, there are so many montages of him, like, remembering his war trauma, and they are all the same eight or nine shots, just with different video filters over them, like, like played in different orders. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And also, like, so much of this film, as we've already alluded to, is him sitting in the corner of what is clearly a real and real depressing room. Just just the shittiest basement you've ever seen. Which works. It works for the character, and they've lit it well. But doing monologues that feel like the Vietnam War monologue in, like, 101 dramatic monologues for well-meaning but poorly talented Amdram actors, you know? Yes, yeah. It's all yeah, like the it's, horror, the horror. It's all that. It's They made us kill. They don't care. It's every Nam cliche in a row. Yeah, and all these monologues are, are like, directed at his imaginary friend Ernie. Oh, I can't believe what they made us do with that, Ernie. You remember it, don't you, Ernie? How bad all that was, Ernie. Ernie, you know the stuff I saw, but now I'm going to tell you all about it, Ernie. Ernie, do you remember all this? Oh, I did some more. Oh, got pretty more, Ernie. Just They made us kill kids. They didn't want war. They were willing to buy buy peace but we were the cost and the only and when, when I came home when I came home to my town Ernie I saw people people I'd been friends with they crossed the street to get away from me they, they told me not me to wear the killer. <laughs> yeah. they told me not to wear the uniform and the only thing we're not really successfully capturing uh, uh, is we aren't saying motherfucker or the slur that starts with G that was largely used in the Vietnam War against uh, East Asian people. Yeah, and, and like and, and like that like that like that word just shows up a lot in Apocalypse Now. And yeah, but in Apocalypse uh, Now, well, no, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we might be about to make a similar point. Like that word shows up a lot in Apocalypse Now, but it feels a lot harsher. When it's coming out of the mouths of just a bunch of dudes hanging out in a park in central Florida who are just, like, doing this on a weekend, whereas, like, Apocalypse Now feels like a movie. These feel like characters yeah. that are saying racist stuff. Oh, and, and it feels like that movie has, like, points about, about the Vietnam War to make, whereas this is just a bunch of guys hanging out in a park trying to find excuses to, like, call the one Vietnamese person they know the racial slur. And it is also like, uh, 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 and the uh, uh, I'm doing the positive review on Apocalypse, negative review on Apocalypse mm. now. Yeah, and so many of those are people who consider it a racist act and uh, uh, a glorification uh, of violence against the Vietnamese. And there are yeah. some people who make the more nuanced point of like, what is the point of recreating something so terrible, which I think is uh, legitimate and worth debating. But they're, they're, I, though I'm not lumping those in with the people who are like, this film 
people who like this film forgive war atrocities, but like the thing about Apocalypse Now is it is impossible. A film that starts with a beautiful vista of slightly out of focus trees and then this hellish wump wump of helicopters before those trees are destroyed as Jim Morrison says this is the end coming out of that film and being like oh yeah this film was happy about Vietnam yeah whereas like slow bullet is people doing an impression of Vietnam films they've seen uh, yes specifically Rambo and Apocalypse Now um, sorry, yeah. First Blood and Apocalypse Now. And they love those films so much that they seem to end up loving the Vietnam War. Like, in the way that when when Larry Fishburne, as he is credited, does his lot playing clean on the boat, does that, like, three-minute-long, incredibly racist joke where he doesn't just say the G-slur, he says so many, he's doing voices. Yeah. But... At no point in there are you a, are you like they think this is funny with in making the film and they think we should think this is funny. It's just horrific and tragic, right? Yeah, I, I mean, like a few scenes later, that character uh, like goes on to commit a massacre. Yeah, because he is racist and trigger happy, and fourteen. Yeah, yeah, but it is. Oh man. Apocalypse Now is a pretty depressing film when you, when you really think about it, you know? Yeah. But it also, like, that bit comes out of clearly demonstrating Clean as someone who is who has no social bonds, and, and that is him doing the thing that he thinks will make him friends. Sure, And yeah. that is being incredibly racist. So yeah. it is, like, it's also about kind of conformity. Ah. Uh, that Larry Fishburne, though, he's a young guy. He lied about his age to get into this film, but I think he has more for us. Wait, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> Hannibal. Um, <laughs> he's good. He's good in Ant-Man 2. He's good in everything. <laughs> Remember? Okay. I think of the thing that uh, Lawrence Fishburne was bad in now. Uh, uh, he's in uh, TMNT, the animated Teenage Ninja Turtles movie from 2007, Is he where he plays that? the narrator. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, you'd think he'd get more of that work with that. Yeah. Okay, we need, talking of, talking of narrators, so, uh, uh, mo- Apocalypse Now, right? Is yes. Apoc- Apocalypse now like you knock a full star off if it didn't have that narration on it, right? Because like that weird, like deep vocal fry rumble of Martin Sheen and his brother Joe Estevez's voice at times during re-recording is like so like it's so the creak of it, right? The creak mm. and rumble of him being like I looked into the horror and it saw me with eyes made of fire, you know, um, is just kind of one of the definitive masters. Like, that's why we should have character narration, you know? It is one of the, like, better examples of a movie that just has the, like, main character explaining things and kind of covering over potholes. 
Well, and um, watching it this time, which is, uh, I don't know, I've seen it a couple of times. I saw Redux at least twice, and I've seen this at least twice. I don't know if I've seen the original. We watched the final cut. If you're playing mm. along at home, the best cut, I think it is. Everyone generally agrees. It's, a good one. it's, it's, it's the only one I've seen. I've yeah. seen it twice now. It's a, it's a good film. Uh, a redux is imagine this film but too much of it like it just yeah. keeps go- like it keeps going obviously it keeps going in the middle yeah and yeah it, 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 it's like it's like more french plantation stuff right and, the, and the like lot, there's just also lots of little extra bits everywhere mm. you know yeah but yeah the original not having the flat the french plantation scene is goo goo gaga crazy to me because that, like almost every scene, feels um, inherent, you know, like default to it. You couldn't have it without it. Because, like, the ultimate colonialists in a colonial act. Anyway, so you came up with this pairing. Yes. Why? Uh like, like uh, mainly because I'd heard Elliot Kalin of The Flophouse talk about how this is the worst movie he'd ever seen, and it was a Vietnam War movie, and I wanted an excuse to watch this, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, seemed, it seemed like a good fit for Apocalypse Now. And... It was. It was, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, but if, if, like, opening two scenes of Slow Bullet are, like, their... Like approximation of Apocalypse Now, but like you know, Apocalypse Now, uh, where where Apocalypse Now starts with the like scene of of a uh, of the jungle of the jungle getting napalmed. I mean, it cuts to like Martin Sheen in it in his like hotel room in Saigon, and there's all the like the, the like slow dissolves and crossfades as he yeah. like does the narration and he's lying in bed and he's doing karate and he's screaming. I mean, punching the mirror so it breaks. Punch the mirror. That's yeah, the scene I mean, where famously Martin Sheen was incredibly drunk throughout it, and the the crew kept being like, "Martin, stop! You're hurting yourself," <laughs> and he kept being like, "No, no, keep it on camera. I want this to be real." I mean, Slow Bullet starts with like the most interesting thing they can do in a forest, which is have two guys run, never in the same shot, and it's like uh, uh, firing. Uh, uh, like just like miming, firing prop guns at each other, and then uh, it cuts with to, very loud special f- sound effects. Yeah, and, and, and then it cuts to like years later, Jim Baskin playing Buddy is now like in his shithole basement, and he's you know lying on the he's lying on the bed and he's writhing in pain, and he's like having flashbacks, and there will be like l- like long like like slow dissolves and crossfades, and it, it is it is just stealing that scene from Apocalypse Now, but doing it so much worse. I think they did the dissolves well, but that is a very deliberately <laughs> like they. I, and to be clear, I'm talking about like timing them well. Sure, yeah. Um, because there are some bits of Slow Bullet that I find surprisingly competent. Um, sure, yeah. I'd heard this is the worst movie ever made, and yet it is not. There are parts of it that approach, like, fine, but they don't yeah. last for long. The thought I kept having, especially about this lead guy's performance, was, if was like, if they cut 20% of this, he was a 10% or 15% better actor, and they mm. shot it 
like 40% better, this would be like, it wouldn't be great, but it would be a film. Yeah. It is everything in it is like just a couple of degrees off. Like the problem with his monologues is that they are shot from a bland angle and you never feel close and you never feel the feelings. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, and 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 they're done in in these like static oneers where they'll just like maybe zoom in on him or zoom out a bit, but like his performance is not dynamic enough to like hold to to like hold your attention, and and the film is not doing anything dynamic to to like enhance his performance. I thought his performance is like, but isn't actually, um, someone who has done this as a one man show on stage. And if you watch it being like, this is someone who's done a big version on this on stage, being like, I have to go small for camera. It kind of, and I'm not saying it's a good show. I'm saying it is like a show done by like 50 to 60 year old accountants in a fringe festival, which is like, they're trying their hardest and that's fine. Here's the thing about slow bullets that like people don't know. Uh, it started off life as a play that Max Fisher puts on in Rushmore about the Vietnam War. Yeah. Wait, that, like, is that, oh no, this came out years before Rushmore. Yeah, yeah. This was 88. That's the sequel to Better Kind Rewind. Like, the not the Royal Tenenbaums. Rushmore is this video store's greatest hit. And so they're like, we got to make our own sequel. We are going to film the Max Fisher's Vietnam play. Yeah. Uh, that's how you get slow bullets successfully. And like, I don't know, for like 50,000 bucks, you could get Schwartzman for a day. <laughs> sure. Something like that, you know? Hmm. These films in so many ways are so close in terms of like on paper plot. Yeah. Uh, in that they are about a man who went to Vietnam and has to return in some way whether it be being given an assignment to kill Marlon Brando or just remembering a lot, mm. being like, oh, that place was terrible. And the, and the gulf between them, beyond, like, technical capability, right? Like, <laughs> is that what Coppola is talking about is how small everyone is in that scenario it is a machine shot entirely from the cogs position yeah and to the point where you think you get to the head of the machine which is kurtz he essentially says like no i'm just i'm just a really good cog you know uh, about how you know, as we talked about in Godfather, Coppola doesn't hates nothing more than people doing making art just for the money. Sure, yeah. And this is a film about like people who are the victims of people doing war just for the money. You know. Mm. Whereas, yeah, Slow Bullet is about how they like films where someone lies in a bed, holds his head, and is like, "They made me shoot a damn baby," you know. <laughs> And I found, I expected to find it depressing, slow bullet that is. I mean, I expected to find Apocalypse Now depressing, but that's because it's hardly laugh a minute, except for that great stuff Larry Fishburne does. Um, it is, 
I don't know. They're like, yeah, slow bullet. Like, I think it is genuinely lit well. And I think up until the first sex montage, of which there are two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I was like, there is some restraint in this film. <laughs> and then I was like, the first sex montage, I was like, they're, they're okay, that's all right. But then the second sex montage is full Emmanuel. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, the, the, it's, the, 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 the second sex montage is great. And it's intercut with them at uh, uh, at a boat fair and on the beach holding hands. Well, yeah, okay. So the like thing about the sex montages is the like main things we see Buddy do in the movie. Uh, we see him sitting in this basement and monologue to Ernie, and we see him go and visit his psychiatrist and talk to him about that. There are like four or five separate scenes of him going to the psychiatrist, and maybe like six or seven scenes of him sitting in the basement monologuing to Ernie. Yeah, and, and about three major flashbacks to Vietnam. Yeah, and, and one ending scene, and that's the whole. That is a ninety-five minute long film. Well, yeah, so for, 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 for the first like half hour of the movie, we only see him in the basement and with the psychiatrist and flashing back to war trauma, and 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 and, and like in and like in all of the like basement scenes. Yeah, he's just sitting in this like in this dirty, trash-filled basement with this like shitty, just looking like fucking garbage. Like clearly a man in his mid fifties who is like, I don't know, kind of like he's being purposely made to look like disheveled and bad in this. Yeah. And so, being about half an hour in, uh, a woman's introduced, the like first woman we've seen in the movie, and turns out she's like his girlfriend or something. We later we later find out it's his wife. We like meet his girlfriend who is. Clearly, twenty-five years younger than him. If, and, like maybe, like yeah. And, and if you and, found out she was nineteen, you wouldn't be surprised. And is like ridiculously like eighties hot. Like kind of looks like Debbie Harry. And it's like a scene between the two of them. How did this like Vietnam vet in the fifties who can only scream about his trauma? How is he dating this incredibly hot like like twenty-seven-year-old? I mean, later on. You find out that they have been married for at least fifteen years. This is his wife, and you're like, none of this adds up at all. Yeah. It, it, she's it, actually it, an immortal from the dawn of well, time. She's yeah, the only it, lovers it, left it, alive. Yeah. In, in, in the flashbacks of fifteen years earlier, they, they have de-aged him by getting rid of his beard and, and just giving him a moustache. But this this change is so radical; it makes him look like a totally different person, and. and and, and they've done nothing to change what she looks like. So, so, so there is this like long flashback montage of it, of like the happier times where I just spent the entire thing thinking that like it was a montage of her cheating on him. It was five minutes into this montage, but I finally figured out what I was supposed to be getting from it. Like, yeah, this film like, is not it, great at communicating information. No. And this first sex montage ends with him shouting at her because. I don't know, he's mad about his trauma again. I mean, he goes to the bathroom and looks back into the room and imagines that he is seeing her being raped by the VC. Yeah. And, I mean, he just, like, stands in the doorway, kind of doing the Macaulay Culkin, like, ah, face. Except uh, well, he, well, he has the hands on his cheeks, but his face is totally unemotive. Yeah, I, and, it, and it cuts between that and this woman getting crawled over by the guy playing the VC for, like, two minutes. Yeah, and, uh, man, you can really 
see her areola. Anyway, um, yeah, when the first couple of scenes with her, including the first sex scene, I was sure she was a sex worker because we don't find out that they're married until a while later. And that was the only way. And to be clear, what I'm saying is a judgment on him, not her. That was the only way that transaction could occur. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it is, there are so many limits to this film's believability that, like, the stuff that almost could work. Like, I think this guy's idea of how to play trauma is, like, uh, perpetually turning regretful fury is a strong idea. And if people had worked with him, it could have gotten there. But you can't really have that and, you know, uh, uh, some, like, semi-girls-gone-wild content in the same film. Like, yeah. Like, when you have, uh, like, the closest equivalent in Apocalypse Now is when there's the USO show with the Playboy Playmates. Yeah. And, and Coppola shoots that like one of the battle scenes. The sound is too loud. The lights are so bright, like they've gone to a dance in Spielberg's West Side Story. And immediately the roaring crowd is terrifying. And then yes. as soon as the women come out, that guy flips out, tries to assault one, and then it ends up with this, like, uh, uh, like religious image of him clinging onto a helicopter with a swarm of people beneath him. Yeah. And it is like, at no point in that is Coppola trying to make the point of, like, Wubba dubba, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get those out. Yeah. <laughs> because that. Oh, no, I'm sure there are many war movies, like uh, war movies that contain love stories, like the classics, like Pearl, Pearl Harbor, um, mm. is uh, not impossible. But in, a, in such a rape centric uh, war as Vietnam, and to be clear, uh, mostly uh, uh, the the Western forces doing that sexual violence. Sure, yeah. it just feels it, it would feel out of place. And there's not beyond they like look at at at, at new, nude playing cards at some point in Apocalypse Now, something like that. Oh, after that scene with, with the Playboy Playmates, there's, there's a whole like conversation about the, about the like about the centerfold and stuff, and the and the, like Chef is showing. It's like showing the same body got signed. Oh, yeah. He collected them all, uh, is what he says. And that is because, like, and, like, all the personal connections we see in the characters are, are like, familial or fraternal or platonic, uh, and that, like, the the clean could very easily have a sweetheart back home, but we don't know, and it's his mum that sends him the tape that he listens to. Uh, moments before he dies in what is maybe the invention of like, oh, I'm so happy I get to go home and see my family. Yeah. Uh, Ever. And the things like that Martin Sheen is looking for is just fellowship with another man or person at all. You know, sex is just a commodity to them in Vietnam. Um, Whereas in Slow Bullet, it is like, them being like, well, we need some nudie scenes to sell to people. Ugh. 
I, I'm I'm really beginning to come round to your point of view, which is that Apocalypse Now is better than Slow Bullet. Yeah, I I yeah, I, I think it, I think it might be. Uh, Back so, that up. Uh, well, Cause, cause I mean, here's okay. my first argument. Okay, uh, yeah. How does Apocalypse Now start? It's a classic at this point. Remastered so many times. Featurettes. Yeah. Uh, on the Blu-ray I watched about how they restored the picture, restored the sound. Where the fuck is that information in the title card at the beginning, though? Yeah. No opening it's a re- credits. Real fuck up. And in some versions, no closing credits. What are you doing, Frankie? You win a Palm Door and two Oscars in in one eighteen month period. Goes to your head, you know. Um. So that's why it's bad. Prove me wrong, Finn. Uh, well, Slow Bullet is full of uh, just absolutely terrible original songs, uh, yeah, which, 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 are, which are which are doled out with at like such a rapid pace. Like like but, but like by the time you get to the seven minute mark, you are already on the third original song. And like, no, and like, none of them are thematically appropriate. They are all a type of music which is not associated with the Vietnam War at all. They are all like very clearly like eighties heavy metal and like speed metal. Yeah, like, and, like some, and, some, some of the songs sound a bit like sound a bit like Motorhead. Some of them sound like uh, like like Dio, but like they all sound like worse versions of, of those bands. And, and, and like, there's a sense- I mean, it's like one or two ballads. Yeah, and there's also like a sense of hair metal. They could all be Motley Crue yeah. as well. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, my my favourite of uh, the original songs was, uh, I, I don't remember the title, but the lyrics were, bang, bang, you're dead, you're fucking dead. <laughs> bang, 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 you're dead, you're fucking dead. Bang, 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 you're dead, you're fucking dead. Over, <laughs> you would never guess, a montage of... Uh, Vietnamese civilians being killed. Yeah, there's, there's a there's, there's a great one uh, uh, over the like second trauma mont- uh, over the second trauma montage, yeah. which is which is like called something like a back in Nam again. Was like <laughs> you're back in Nam again, you're back in Nam again, it's like that. Oh, it's great. What 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 is a song? Yeah, like the, the, these 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 songs made uh, so little impression on me. Uh, I just like I, I tried to write down like I, I tried to write down like a lyric for each song, and for a lot of them I could not hear the lyrics. There's one about them uh, starting a fire, which uh, doesn't play in the scene where they actually do start a fire. Seems like an oversight. Yeah, it is, but also I would not go past saying that slow bullet. They would shoot a scene, edit it, score it, lock it down. Do you know what I mean? Like they'd already sure. used that song. That bit was already rendered out to tape, you know? Um, it is Apocalypse Now is a thorny film, right? Yeah. Like it is quite hard to unpack because obviously there is uh, its, its reputation as a work, which is good. Uh, its reputation as a workplace, or which is bad, and it and uh, uh, you know uh, Marlon Brando looming in and out of darkness, being like, 
Have you ever seen a flower pressed between the pages of a book? (laughs) That thing was once alive, and now it is trapped in a prison of language just trapped in this jungle. It's good shit, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, But the thing that struck, it's been a while since I saw it, because I saw the final cut when it came out, which was... the, The final cut... Uh, came out here in 2019 at, uh, at, the, at the film festival. That's right. It's that it is like the Seven Samurai and that you're like, okay, this is a three-year, almost dead, like the final cut, the version with the end credits is three hours, one minute, which yeah. is a, a, a great achievement. Congratulations, hitting it square on the head. But it is like Seven Samurai in the way that you're like, I don't, I'm surely there are bits of it. Surely there's like, I remember there being a lot of stuff of them hanging out on the boat, but when you see it, all the stuff you remember happening on the boat is other scenes, and all the stuff you remember being like, oh, and then they do nothing, are like 30-second long montages. Like, there's fucking so much in this film, and you remember all of it. It's crazy. It is like, the idea, I mean, I know that the film evolved as they were making it, but that they were ever like, oh, yeah, we can get this done in six weeks or whatever is madness. <laughs> like how which individual scenes in this film could you shoot in six weeks? Less than half, I guess. I mean, the last 40 minutes of the film is difficult <clears throat> when Dennis Hopper and Marlon Brando <clears throat> won't be in the same room. Yeah, I yeah, like. It's, yeah, it's, it, seems, it seems like those two guys were just, like, invented to annoy each other. So, yeah, you're right. Like, Brando and Hopper seem like two people designed to hate each other, right? Like, yeah, two, 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 of, two of the, like, great screen maniacs. Well, and, and uh, Hopper's character is a, a photojournalist who is uh, uh, who, who was reporting on Kurtz uh, the plot of Apocalypse Now, if you didn't know, is that uh, that Martin Sheen is a traumatized war veteran who is uh, uh, um, assigned by uh, Harrison Ford, dressed as a nerd. So he is wearing glasses and hair down his side, uh, and within a character named G. Lucas, um, as both a tribute to, to Harrison Ford and that George Lucas was the original director of this film, which I'm right, sure... Right, right, yes. Which I'm sure we'll discuss later, Jesus Christ. Have you seen Hearts of Darkness? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, Hearts of Darkness is the documentary that, that based largely on footage uh, Coppola's then wife shot of behind mm. the scenes, but also like secret recordings with him uh, during the process, which which we'll get to. Um, but it is it is a crazy sign of the level of reality you are in when you're watching Hearts of Darkness and they cut to a talking head of George Lucas and you're like, oh, finally, the sane perspective. Um, admittedly, he was the director attached when uh, uh, the idea was with Milius's script to go to Vietnam during the Vietnam War <laughs> to shoot this. Uh, Milius. Which is the one step <laughs> crazier than how they actually made this film. But yeah, uh, but yeah Hop- Hopper is a, a journalist there to report on Kurtz. 
uh, uh, oh God, sorry. I was in the plot summary. Matt and Shane, who looks like Charlie Sheen and not nice. the other way around in this film. Charlie Sheen doesn't look like Martin Sheen in this. Martin Sheen looks like Charlie Sheen. Do you understand the distinction I'm making? Sure. Uh, uh, he, to be clear, in all ways, I prefer Martin Sheen. Uh, yes. Unless he's on the Johnny Depp texts as well, probably. Oh. It's, it was hard to lose Bettany like that. Um, we got to ask questions about Connolly. Anyway, uh, it is, uh, uh, and he is sent to kill a, a, a colonel, Kurtz, who yep. has gone up, uh, essentially gone into the jungle and gone insane uh, uh, and is doing inhumane acts of war, you know? Yes. Uh, 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 he, he is... He, he, he's doing too much war. Uh, um, and so he, he assembles a merry band of men and uh, they go up the river encountering a uh, suspiciously broad slice of Vietnam in this time, almost as if it's not only about this one assassination quest. And then uh, Martin Sheen arrives at this kind of uh, temple that that Kurtz has built to himself, recruiting locals and kind of turning them into a cult. Hmm. And the face of that cult is Dennis Hopper is this photojournalist who is kind of like addicted to the idea of 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 Brando, like the magnetism of this guy, right? Yeah. Um my my favorite Hopper line is that there's a point where after when Kurtz works out or Sheen says, uh, uh, I, w- I was sent here to kill you. Uh, you cut out of that scene in the first line is the next scene is uh, Dennis Hopper and Martin Sheen hanging out. And Dennis Hopper goes, hey, why would a nice guy like you want to kill a genius? Yeah. Um, it is. But like within those two men, which is to say Hopper and Brando, is like the madness of this film, right? Because they're two massive and uncontrollable vectors of madness. Yeah, and and and, and, and like both and both like very different types of madness. Yeah, Popper is all like mania, and Brando as Kurtz is is someone who is so rational. He he has like rationalized his beliefs so much that. They like aren't like recognizable to 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 other people anymore. Yeah, and it is yeah because his belief is what Kurtz essentially pitches is that we are the way we save the way we win this police action um, it is by becoming even worse. We just twenty four seven war crimes. There, a story he tells of early in the war, he was going through uh, inoculating. They were inoculating people for polio. Yeah. And then uh, uh, they left the village and, and all those villages had the arm that was inoculated cut off. By the Viet Cong. Yeah. And then he says, like, obviously I was heartbroken, but quickly I was impressed. <laughs> we should be more like them. Yeah, it's like these guys are good at doing war. They they came they came up with a plan which really fucked me up. Um, 
and like part of him recruiting this mass of locals as part of that, right? And is, mm. but of course, his calmness in presenting this, like a kind of, like they call him a warrior poet, right? Like he's yeah. explicitly termed that, but he's not. He's like a war Buddha. Yeah, like he, uh, yes, like he is this bold. He seems like he should be. Oh, he just speaks them like their 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 religious proclamations, right? Yeah, yeah. Swathed in darkness or silhouette, and it is like the idea of Kurtz being any other way seems crazy. But all of those details, like that stuff, him coming in and out of the darkness. Is because, as we all know, like to repeat the film fact, everyone knows, uh, Marlon Brando was paid a million dollars a week for three weeks' work. He took a million dollars in advance, then started to say he wouldn't show up. When he showed up, he was overweight. He'd forgot. He hadn't read the book or his lines, um, and so so much of Brando's performance is Coppola deliberately working around him. And, like, the fact that Hopper and Brando share one scene and not really any lines in that scene, which really makes it feel like Hopper is an adherent so close he can barely be in the presence of the guy. It's because Brando immediately hated Hopper. And so it is, like, this film, as much as it is obviously a success of planning, how do you do those bombing scenes without... Uh, months of planning and diagrams yeah. like, and they fucking nail it but so much of this film is a victim of circumstance and they're just so lucky that the circumstances led it to be more iconic right because Kurtz who's equivalent in Heart of Darkness the Conrad novella Apocalypse Now is a riff on kinda you know like have you read it? No. They're obviously related, and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 uh, uh, I see it. But they've changed almost everything without getting rid of... M- Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Right, yeah. And, and also, to be clear, it's just real good. Both Heart of Darkness and Hearts of Darkness, if you enjoy Apocalypse Now or appreciate it, no, check it out, listeners at home. Um, it is very much the Kurtz character in Heart of Darkness who isn't called Kurtz, um, is a mirror of the lead. Right. Uh, 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 And he is, and that is still in Apocalypse now. Like, so much of the dramatic push of this film between these endless moments of horrific spectacle that leave you in fearful awe is Martin Sheen learning more and more about Kurtz. And, uh, uh, you know, reading his files, talking to people who know him, realizing how odd, but how burned he is. And that is all clearly done in the context of Sheen being like, like me, you know? And like, there is a version of this film, like Brando from The Godfather, which, you know, shooting wise was only three years ago, without the jowls in his face, in military fatigues. Mm could be future Martin Sheen. Do you know what I mean? And so this ending could be about a man f- essentially facing himself. But because uh, 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 Brando, you know, 
This isn't the one where he was being fed lines through an earpiece that was Moreau. Made Coppola have to make him a deity. It stops, and you know, it stops right. being about man versus man. It becomes about man versus God. And I think that shift is like vital to the film that it is not the men, it is the people in power, you know? Yeah. Um, otherwise, than yeah, that ending Apocalypse Now is such a weirdly traditionally structured film. Uh, uh, in that it is almost, you know, the way you meet characters, the way they challenges are proposed to them, they're sent on a mission, then, you know, blah, blah, blah. They meet people along the way, meet and lose people. Uh, uh, like, it's kind of the five bloods in terms of uh, uh, the, the narrative that occurs in Vietnam. Uh, uh, not... I'm, I'm not making you miss... Martin Sheen doesn't go back as an old man. Uh, anyway, there, there's, I believe it is uh, a, a bridge over the river Kwai. It's it's saving. It's the opposite of saving Private Ryan, right? Except, uh, 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 so is Heart of Darkness. The mission in Heart of Darkness is to save the guy as well. But anyway, um, but the emphasis is all wrong. So you get like you get all the setup almost immediately in a three-hour film. By like minute 30, they're on the boat. Yeah. And then what would be in most films, one scene, which is when you finally confront the villain and he says, we're not so different, you or I. And the hero goes like, yeah, could I, can I take you out when you're really, you know, we, we share the same things and then does is expanded to the last 40 minutes of the film. Um, and, and with good reason, but that middle swath, this like two hour second act, is them encountering different bits of the experience of war in Vietnam, right? Yeah. And we, and they are, I don't want to speak for both of us, all excellent, all like five star bits of film, in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't love the French plantation stuff, but like everything else I love. I like, the French plantation is, is and you have to watch Hearts of Darkness because sure yeah uh, 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 there there's some and Hearts of Darkness went out before the French plantation scene was put back in the film yeah yeah uh, uh, and it has them shooting it and then Coppola stopping shooting and then just being like no no fuck this fuck this fuck this we're gonna <laughs> pretend this never happened see everyone tomorrow. And that is like, yeah, like, and that is like, that is like, it seems like how everyone was the whole time. It's right, insane. Yeah. A, this film exists. But um, to me, so the French. My thing with the French plantation scene is it's a bunch of people being like, eh, this war is a quagmire. You were getting stuck in the Americans. And you're like, yeah, no, the Vietnam War is a quagmire. There's a long history of European colonialism in this part of Asia. I don't feel like I'm I'm like learning anything in that scene. Oh yeah, to me that bit is not the point of the scene. To me that bit, the bit that is the point of that scene it is when that guy is also like this is where we are and it's nice to have a victory because we lose all other wars the French, right, yeah, you know? Yeah. You have won every war, but now we are here. This is our victory. And so it is very much for me, I read it as a scene 
about uh, uh, like colonialism, uh, uh, the idea of there being good and bad colonialism, of like them being there very firmly positioning themselves as being like the good colonialists. The key thing is that they are uh, 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 kind of abusing and enslaving uh, the the locals as much as anyone else. They just think they are right and the Americans are wrong to do it. I, I admit sure, it does yeah. not help that. Yeah, the French plantation is the weakness, is the weakest, and the is the weakest, and is the one that makes me calling them all excellent a lie. But I think the thing that works against it is uh, they couldn't really afford to bring in French actors from France or America. So they found the best ones that are nearby and they don't do badly, but like in a film where Robert Duvall is nominated for and maybe wins an Oscar for a total of five minutes of screen time. We'll get to the Robert Duvall stuff. Yeah, yeah. My favourite part of the movie. When you you are faced, when that is the standard of acting... Yeah. People being just fine doesn't land. It just feels a bit flat. And it's the most static the film is. So much of it is sure, yeah. uh, sitting around a table. But, like, yeah, of all these sets... So, yeah, Duval, he He's his own... Like, he is almost like our first set piece because he's, like, the yes. person who gets them the boat. The first time I saw this, I remember seeing Duval's name in, in, in the opening credits. And then I remember seeing his name in the closing credits and thinking... Okay, where was where was Robert Duvall in that? And then uh, I was, I was under an incredible hat and behind glasses and yeah. loving to surf. I was talking to someone about the movie a bit later, and they and and, and, and they said like, "Oh yeah," and like, and Robert Duvall is the as the guy who loves surfing. I was like, "Oh fuck, that was Duvall." I hadn't seen like a massive amount of all of his like seventies stuff. Like I've mm-hmm. seen like later stuff from him. Yeah, and, and you were and, a widow's head already, yeah. though. And yeah, seeing it again this time, just being able to like. Focusing on the, like, devolveness of it. I was like, that is my favorite sequence because he is, that's just, like, one of the great screen performances. It is so funny and it is so deeply unsettling. And, like, that is when Coppola is, like, doing all of his juxtapositions about the war. He's like, well, you got you got this here and you got this happening right next to it. Hmm, makes you think about war, doesn't it? And you're like, yes, it does, Frank. Thank you. By far the best joke in the film, one of, one of the, like, funniest... Like, maybe the funniest thing in, in like, any Coppola movie is the bit where they've just stormed this town and explosions are going off everywhere, people are getting shot. There's one Viet Cong soldier lying on the ground. He's being shot in the stomach. He's trying to, like, hold his guts in. With, with a, like, pan, like a frying yeah. pan he has it stuffed yeah. over his stomach. It's yeah, like, and there's, like, a bunch of American soldiers and, and a South Vietnamese translator all, 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 all standing around and... And Robert DeVille's character, uh, uh, Colonel uh, Kilgore, comes up and he's like, what's what's going on here? And the South Vietnamese translator says, this guy's a Viet Cong, like, he, he could fucking die for all I care. And, and the Viet Cong soldier is on the ground, like, asking, like, like begging for water. And, and, and Kilgore starts going off on his run, like, this man is an enemy combatant. But, but he is lying here holding his guts in, and you will give him water. He is owed our respect. He, like, picks up a canteen, and he's, like, going to pour water into the guy's mouth. And then, one, and then just, like, one random other soldier comes up to him and asks him for something, and he immediately forgets about this man dying on the ground in front of him and drops the canteen and walks away. 
and my favourite joke in a Coppola film also involves Robert Duvall in this film, uh, uh, in this sequence, because, uh, yeah, he is, once they've stormed this, as they're about to storm this beach, he stops the helicopter, points and says, look, look, the sea breaks both waves. Waves, can you imagine surfing that? And then... Uh, uh, when they land and just before that thing happens with, with, with the person holding their guts in, he's like, oh, I know there's not much here, but just wait 20 minutes, go, just wait 20 minutes. Yeah. Sheena's like, no, we, we really want to go. And eventually they steal the boat, which has his surfboard in it, which ends in a sequence of, uh, of Duval's men. <laughs> looking through the jungle with multiple helicopters playing a recording that's like, oh, yeah. please, please give me back my surfboard. Give me my surfboard. I will not harm you. Do you know how hard it is to find a good surfboard? Please it, give me back my surfboard. It is It is so good and is yeah. so, like, it is, and, and like, uh, this is kind of where, the scale of the production comes into it, right? Because oh, yeah. that 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 Duval character only works because the place he is uh, sweeping, uh, looking for his surfboard. We have just seen one of the most brutal, uh, violent scenes of violence in any film. That is the the bombing of the village, right? Mm. Where, uh, which is just this uh, relentless and horrifying extended barrage of of explosions. It starts. We start with the villagers seeing the noise, just running, terrified, petrified. It is not. It is. I would say it's impossible to enjoy, but there are just so many fucking gross people in the world. Sure. Yeah. And it is. And like Duval being so light about that criminal massacre he has just performed is what makes it both, like, makes the horror worse and the comedy better. And, like, this sequence is one of those, it's, like, one of those bits where you're just like, I don't get how people trying to, like, critique this movie from from the left, how they can, like, watch this movie and be like, oh, yeah, this movie's, like, pro-Vietnam War. This scene has Colonel Kilgore, like, walking around, throwing down, like, playing cards on, on, on all the dead, like, soldiers and civilians, on all the dead, like, Viet Cong soldiers and the dead Vietnamese civilians. He's throwing down his cards. I mean, I mean, Martin G. asked, like, what are those cards for? They're death cards, so everyone knows that it was me who killed these guys. Death card, death card, death card. Yeah, it and, is. And, like, after the sequence of Kilgore is done, there is some, like, Manji narration where he's like, if this is what Biami thinks is acceptable conduct, what can, like, like how like how bad will Kurtz be? Because this guy is already, in, like, clearly insane and a murderer. Yeah, it is. As we finish talking about Duval, we we need to mention the fact that he has the iconic line, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. He also has the line that's the most iconic line to me, which is Charlie Don't Surf, which was later used by The Clash as as the title of one of their best songs. Okay, yeah, so the three iconic lines, two from Duval, one from Brando, like all of the narration is iconic, uh, 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 but is so... 
situation dependent, but like all of them are. Yeah, there's a great bit of narration early on where Sheen is talking about all of the like kids he, he's like seeing fighting this war, and he calls them rock and rollers with one foot in the grave. Yeah, Coppola is clearly someone who hates uh, Hollywood but loves Hollywood films because mm. this, like, the idea of making a uh, 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 a war film uh, uh, like uh, uh, you're shooting a Greek tragedy and then putting film noir narration over it while going insane <laughs> in, uh, in the Philippines it is a combination that only comes out of someone who uh, uh, loves like uh, uh God damn it! Who that loves Ch- Chandler and, and and as much as he loves Joseph Conrad, Joseph Conrad, you know, sure. Um, but the thing of on context of those two, I I I don't love the cl- no. I just don't listen to enough of the Clash, so I'm going to narrow it down to two. You got to get into the Clash. I this so like okay. I am to music what you are to TV. Um, Look, we've got five albums. They're all excellent. Yeah, okay. You can't hear me putting the marker there, but I, so I want you to know <laughs> that it's happened. Um, uh, yeah, the interesting thing with both of those lines being so iconic, again, apologies to the Clash fan, I'm sorry, is that they are both so context-dependent and how they essentially become different lines. Because, of course, uh, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, is now used often as a kind of semi-sincere uh, uh, expression of something. Just like with The Clash, how, how they wrote the song Rock the Casbah, as, you know, there's a like big critique of like foreign intervention in the Middle East. And then during the like first Gulf War, American soldiers were, were like were like painting Rock the Casbah on the side of bombs that were dropping on Iraq. Yeah, and it is... Clearly, there's no way you have to really stretch while watching that, while watching Apocalypse Now to see I Love the Smell of Napalm in the Morning as anything other than the demented burblings of a criminally insane murderer. Yeah, no, it's a scene of a man saying and doing increasingly deranged things, and that is the peak of his derangement. And the horror, the horror. Like, I, I don't know, like, Kurtz and Brenda Wes Kurtz being such, you know, whatever the high art version of a meme is. Uh, 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 um, it is because it is so slightly out there and it's so weird. Yeah. And of course, like he, the film, this performance fits the most into after, um, of course, uh, 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 Apocalypse Now is like Ugetsu, right? Is like, he is like an otherworldly being. Sure. And that only works because you've seen the rest of the film. When he says the horror, the horror, you have seen the horror. Like, you know that, you know the pain. When uh, Martin Sheen emerges from that pool of mud, covered in mud, <laughs> like you, uh, 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 you know the feeling of that. And you know how it is all about darkness. And it isn't just some statement about war is bad. It's about like 
because to be clear, war is bad. It's it's about like what have we become? Uh, Apocalypse Now is a good film, right? Uh, yeah, and it is also a film that would be, you know, the plan was it is mythical. Uh, 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 Francis Ford Coppola had just finished his his three hitter run of of the God Daddies uh, part one and part deux and uh, uh, Gene Hackman on the phone thriller the conversation yeah um and he was like now I'm gonna strike out once again the dream of zoetrope I'm gonna make films just for me fuck the government fuck the machine the script. Milius wrote for um, uh, 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 Hearts of Darkness in Vietnam, Apocalypse Now, I'm going to make that. George doesn't want to work on it anymore. Uh, so we'll just pop over to the Philippines, work with the Philippine military, because uh, the Americans don't want us to for some reason. Mm. They've read the script. They don't think it's, pro- <laughs> you know, this film about how they're uh, 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 a machine to put, turn people into godless warriors. Uh, a godless m- murder warriors and it was like yeah we'll shoot it in six or 16 weeks and they were there for a year and a half <laughs> with the the added detail uh, two weeks in of course he fired his lead all right harvey Keitel, and uh, oh, okay. flew back to america met martin sheen at the airport talked him into taking the job and then <laughs> yeah. flew back didn't leave the airport uh, he shot the whole film blind. There was not a film lab in the Philippines. Uh, uh, and I'm sure there were people checking on the footage and letting him know in LA. But he d- he didn't see developed film uh, until the end of that. Uh, uh, they kept losing. They kept running out of money. He, he went to all funding sources. He went to all. He, he mortgaged his house. Uh, he kept putting his own money into this and uh, uh, everyone went insane. Martin Sheen was so drunk off and on set. He has very few memories of the film. At one point he had a heart attack on set. Uh, so they filmed other stuff for two weeks and didn't tell anyone because they would have to stop shooting. And, and like, like the Brando stuff and just... And all of that, and throughout this, and this is in audio in Hearts of Darkness, you can hear Francis Ford Coppola saying this, being like, what the fuck have I done? What have I created? What am I stuck inside? This thing is, I've made a nightmare. I've made a scenario where I can only fail. The film doesn't exist. And then his wife, I believe Eleanor, maybe that's his daughter's name. I should have in front of me, but I don't. Uh, uh, sorry, not sorry. Um... It is, uh, she's like, but it's just, it's okay. Sometimes you get an A and sometimes you get a B. You can just get the film done. And he says like, no, I don't know how to finish the film. I'm going to get an F. I might kill myself. And like, he keeps like dropping that in their places, but it is clear. And from the footage you see of him on set that he both loves and hates this. And it is driving him and everyone else insane and it is almost only his sheer it is almost only his sheer like innate skill as a filmmaker getting through it because like obviously this film looks fucking beautiful the camera is dynamic 
Oh, the performances are great, unless you're French. Yes. This is shot by Vittorio Storaro, who also shot Reds, the movie I got COVID watching. Uh, yeah, Finn has COVID. That's why we are separate like ripples on a blank shore. But any way, and while everything is kind of falling apart. Yeah, uh, this film looks beautiful. The performances are great. The sense being that Coppola is kind of doing that by r- reflex and by plan in a way and having a good team around him. And this like... These are the bits of it that just feel uh, dangerous. But then there's like, they were hiring people for a dollar a day. That's how they have so many great sets, you know? (sighs) Giving Martin Sheen a heart attack, allowing him to be that drunk and out of control on camera, breaking that wind mirror, cutting his hand, are like just, you know, endorsing Marlon Brando in any way. And these are all things that you kind of... Watching the film this time, my thought was like, oh, yeah, of course, you need to shoot this for a year and a half. You need to go mad doing it. Like, you, it's what the film wants. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, like, has to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. That really rubs up against my no film is worth someone getting hurt thing. Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, And that is, like, I think, yeah, there are two questions over this film. Uh, which is, is it better than The Godfather, to which the answer is yes, and then there is it better than The Conversation, to which the answer is, who knows, Uh, uh, flip a coin. Because he got a great film out of this, but also, uh, uh, and he got a great film out of it through practice and loads of people working, and it wasn't, it doesn't sound like it was fucking like Herzog and Kinski eventually sure, yeah. just being two men stripped to the waist <sighs> with one camera between them fighting on the deck of a boat up a hill, you know? Uh, uh, it was still rolling along, but it was so av- avoidably traumatic. And, like, a, a major part of it is, like, uh, 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 there was some civil unrest in the Philippines. So often, you know, they'd set up these big takes with lots of uh, helicopters and then the helicopters would have to go away to actually hurt people, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and like, this was, like, happening during the 70s. It was, like, American film productions, like, starting with, like, Corman films would, like, go to the Philippines because it was cheap to shoot there and mm-hmm. you could blow and you could blow lots of shit up and and there's yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like lots of like yeah, there's lots of like jungles you can use which double for lots of other countries and uh, yeah and 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 being over I mean like over that decade uh like a fascist dictator comes in and and takes over the country and puts mm-hmm. it under martial law. Coppola is a Corman acolyte, of course. Yes, yes, and, yes. And so he went to Corman for advice. I'm shooting in the Philippines. I know you've shot there. What's your advice? And Corman's advice, according to the method, was don't. Mm. Um, and, and there is also the the other question of is this film moral? Do you know what I mean? And like sure, the whole idea yeah. of problematic faves is I like many immoral things. Uh, grapefruit juice. Uh a half full plunger of coffee. I'm just looking at things on the table. Uh, oh, my Kindle. That is a problematic thing I do like. Uh, good. I'm glad I landed on one. Uh, is do you the Goddard thing of recreating violence, always glamorizing it? 
and, and this film is a film of spectacle, and to me it is spectacle that induces non-positive awe. Yeah. The spectacle well, the, of this the, film is horror, right? The, the horror, the, the, the horror, the, the, if you will. The thing that struck me for most of this time was the scene a bit before they get to uh, the French plantation, one of the like, last major scenes with Lawrence Fishburne, where their boat's going upriver and they see a Vietnamese junk boat on the river and it's protocol that they have to stop and and and, and like check it out to make sure it isn't smuggling weapons. And Martin Sheen is, is like is, and Martin Sheen is telling the captain of the boat, No, don't stop. My mission is more important, just keep going. Like this does not matter. And and he says, No, this like this this is this is our fucking job is we have to check out every single one of these boats. And so they do it. Well, well, uh, the 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 chef jumps on board and 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 starts looking through things and 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 and, and the captain of the boat just is just insists like look over there look over there make like make sure you check everything make sure you check everything and and like chef clearly doesn't want to do it and then he uh, uh, go 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 goes towards like one particular basket and. And, and and one of the women on the boat starts like running towards him, and Lawrence Fishburne, who is in the like fifty caliber like like mounted gun at the back of the boat, sees her move, and as a reaction, she immediately starts firing, and then and then everyone, and then I mean all of the Americans start firing, and then all of these people are dead, and and uh, there was nothing in the basket but a, a cute little puppy. And now, yeah, and, and now, and now, all of these Vietnamese civilians are dead for no reason. And 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 this entire scene is like shot at like golden hour. There's yeah. like this like incredible beginnings of a sunset coming in like right behind them. In, in one or two incredibly like painterly masters. Yeah, like they're 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 you're always seeing both boats. It, it is just seeing a picture of it. Moi, take me back, my. Husband is in front of me, Holt pointing his hand back at me, you know? Yeah, and it is such a beautiful setting, such a, like, beautiful shot, and so tragic, and so obviously avoidable. And, and yeah, and, like, that, like, that's, like, that's the movie for me. And, and also, it, it, like, kind of puts, like, it, it, it is something that, like, kind of... Uh, I, I think, like, puts the lie to, 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 like, Kurtz's idea of, like, we have to be more ruthless with these people. Because, like, that sort of stuff was happening all the time. They, like, trigger happiness amongst American soldiers, gunned down a boat full of people or a town full of people yeah. that have a drop of a hat. was already happening, and those sorts of guys who did, who did that didn't really face any consequences. Like, America from the start was, like, very willing to treat the Vietnamese people as, like, animals who could be slaughtered on a whim. Mm. Yeah. And it is... The thing also about that scene is, like, yeah, it is... It's breathtakingly tragic, and then someone talks about how they're going to fucking eat the puppy, and then they're terrified that the woman they've just killed is still moving, and it is Mm. all... It's just this massive mess is also that it is uh, 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 like rigorous narratively because it is the payoff of an earlier scene that seems like a joke 
which is that uh, uh, they're hanging about in the jungle and they see a tiger and uh, uh, a tiger that is was definitely never there at the same time as them. Sure. Uh, 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 and they jump back on the boat and Fishburne at, at the chain gun clean just starts wildly shooting into the jungle because he to shoot yep. at a tiger. They're now on a boat. They'll be fine, you know? And it is like, that is there, because uh, it's funny, and so you can get this fact in, this is how long the shooting schedule was, them inside the jungle seeing the tiger, and then they jump on the boat, between those two moments a year passes, uh, um, and so it is like, for all the looseness and the the wildness of this film that comes from that that system there is also within that like it's storytelling chops are strong and like what that yeah. fucking means is 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 bullshit but you can understand why this was because this was not just a, a a festival fave and it does numbers it's one of the big films yeah. the public knows about but there is it is still like a legit how we got into that is like yeah can you this film does such a good job as someone who was, wasn't in the Vietnam War. I chose, I was a conscientious ex, uh, yeah. uh, objector, um, captures that feeling of mania and madness. Yeah. And while we should remember, like Landsman, signatory, as we need to now say, yeah. uh, one, one whoops signed the letter. Um, Please. Yeah, I know didn't use recreations, didn't use footage from the time because talking about it is enough and recreating it is almost to do it again. And so, and those are like, of the negative reviews, there are a lot of really compelling ones along those lines uh, uh, and a lot from, uh, uh, and there are a lot as kind of a subsection of that uh, uh, by people who looking at their avatars appear to be, you know, I read as people of color. I don't want to assume anything. Sure. Uh, saying that this is a white guilt film and pointing out that the, the, the character, there are many characters of color in it, even beyond the Vietnamese ones, but Nana, they are all supporting and they are all kind like, Clean sure. is young and trigger happy. Chef is Frenchy, you know? That they are the least defined. And they are also who is the last to die? Who's the one who dies near Kurtz? That's uh, Chef. The first two to die are clean, I mean Chief Phillips. There we go. Oh yeah, and they just call him Chief. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chief and Chef. Uh, uh I did miss one of my other favourite moments in the Deval sequence. Which is uh, one of the other juxtapositions I really like in that scene, which is like maybe a bit obvious after you've like bombed the village and it, and and all the troops have landed. There is a shot of a priest like dressed in camouflage gear, performing mass to a bunch of soldiers, while a like tank behind him like flamethrowers down a building. The amount of sweet as explosions in <clears throat> this, and, and what is it? The image I'll never forget. Uh, in in the firebombing of the village, it is they because there's a there's some stuff on the ground. There's like some tanks on the ground or something. Yeah, 
um, is the image of someone burning inside one of those tanks mm. from a distance. It's just... Okay, Finn. Yes. In your opinion, is Apocalypse Now moral? I don't think I know enough about the production of the film to make, to, to, to make that assessment. Okay. Finn. Yes. Based on what you know now, and in your opinion, is Apocalypse Now moral? Of all of the films I know about shot by Americans in the Philippines in the 70s, Apocalypse Now seems to be one of the more moral. Uh, I'll accept that roughly. Oh, yeah, it's, it's almost an answer to your question. Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> almost an answer to your question. Apocalypse Now is an incredible feat of filmmaking. Yeah. And it is the fact that it is an incredible feat of filmmaking that makes every other element of it okay. Because also, like, uh, if the Doctor, the island of Dr. Moreau with Brando in it had been this good, people would be talking, you know? Like, people would be forgiving that production. Uh, uh, And and it is like... uh, uh, we only cancel people who we uh, uh, already dislike, you know? And so that's why it makes it so hard for me to decide whether it is shy or sound. Do you know what I mean? And like shine sound is distinct from good or bad. Yeah. And I think it is. I like, here is the thing. Martin Sheen had a heart attack and they didn't tell a lot of people. Like he got medical help and stuff. He got drunk and punched that mirror and his hand was bleeding and they kept filming even when, even though he insisted. And I just can't, it, it, it was unsafe and that can't be sound for me, but it's clearly not shite and it's good and everyone should see it. It's a problematic fave. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Where do you stand on Apocalypse Now? I mean, I, I think it's sound. I, uh, um, uh, I think this is probably my favourite of of Coppola's films that I've seen. Not a Cotton Club fan? I'm thinking about it because, as I mentioned a while ago, I think, I watched Murder at 1600, uh, which has Diane Lane in it, mm. and I was like, oh yeah, Diane Lane in like the 80s and 90s is just one of the most attractive people I've ever seen. So I'm going to watch a bunch of Diane Lane movies. going to watch The Cotton Club, Rumblefish, Streets of Fire. All that sort of stuff. Or just, I'm just get unfaithful. out there. Just get out no. there. No. Yeah, no. Is it shy or sound, Finn? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it is sound. Like the, 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 the last time I saw this was in 2019 at the film festival. Where? At what cinema? Uh, uh, I was playing at an event. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, I am, like uh, prone to fall asleep in movie theaters. Uh, it's a very comforting. It's a very comforting space for me. Yeah, and and I have a, a fucked sleep cycle. So I. But, uh, Whose fault and, is that, though? Oh, mine. Yeah. Yeah. And, so change it. No, and movies that are like a, a dreamlike or like a vibe based will often put me to sleep. I'm pretty sure I, I fell asleep through parts of this first time I saw it, and I did have a better time watching this at home. Uh, I loved watching it. And every little bit, I was like, I remember this, and I remember, but like, this time made me 
feel a lot more than it did previously. Like it, mm. it was like a re- it was a it was a real like experience this time. Uh, we keep lists ranking all the films we have watched for this podcast. Uh, uh, we keep them on Letterboxd. Follow us, follow us on social media platform Letterboxd. Then. In your rank list of every film we have seen, where do you place Apocalypse now? Number 33. Above the Man Escaped and below Ugetsu. Uh, I have it at... You're right there. I have it at number 21, above Stalker and beneath Rashomon. I thought it was somewhere else. I remember that one differently. Anyway, Finn... Uh, I've discussed already looking at negative reviews uh, for this film and uh, uh, like like negative reviews for Shoah, uh, there are a a lot of people who have taken very specific but not illegitimate complaint with the Mm. film uh, about its representation uh, of the war, whether that's moral at all. And I think a lot of those... Uh, uh, are deeply and sincerely felt and would feel weird in this context, if you know what I mean. Sure. So I just chose to go with uh, Mermillo's half-star review on Letterboxd, which simply reads, any white person who says that this is their favorite movie would and probably does excuse IRL war crimes. That's their review. Um, is someone, the first reply is someone saying, talk about R slash whoosh, which, uh, oh, suicide time, I guess, for everyone involved. Important fact about Mimillo, which is revealed as the only uh, uh, information in their bio which is, I ate a Barbie doll once, not on a dare, I just did it. I hope they've hooked up with Greta Gerwig to chat, chat about that experience. Yes. <clears throat> Do you want to guess Mermillo's top four films, though? Oh, why not? Okay. One uh, is one of the best, best picture winners. Um, Especially recently. That's right, it's Coda. Oh. <laughs> Parasite. It is indeed Parasite. Um, I just don't know what else, how else. All the best jokes about Parasite are in Parasite uh, because it is uh, an exquisite piece of work. It certainly is. Um, uh, The next is is an adaptation of a book. Uh, It is, oh, it's a a neo-Western um, star-making role for the villain with a bad haircut. Yeah, star-making role. All oh, right, No Country for Old Men. Uh, indeed, what a good film. Uh, in in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Woody Harrelson is in that fucking film. Jesus. Yes. Yeah, he, um, he gets dead. Oh, that's. Right. I mean, everyone does eventually in that film. Yeah. That's also a Best Picture winner. Yes, it is. Uh, the next is not a Best Picture winner. Uh, uh, really, it's okay. a one-actor show, even though there's more than one character. Uh, uh, it's not Locke. No. 
Um, it's not all in one room. Yeah. Uh, you gave it four stars. I give so many movies four stars. Yeah. God. Mainly uh, films like, you know, The Holiday, which have like four pretty big stars in the cast. Yeah. Half of yeah. Ocean's 8, you rated four stars. Well, I certainly didn't. Uh, that's a three-star movie at best. A lot of shouting people in it. No visual flair. And just just watch Widows. Yeah. Or uh, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, this director has made four features. Two are okay. good, two are bad. This is one of the good ones. Um, it, 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 could, it, could, it could still be Locke. Um, uh, no, it, it, is, it is not <laughs> a, a, a nepotism person as well as the director. Okay. Uh, it's not, not, not Brandon, uh, not Sophia. Um... Uh, uh, is it a Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning? It is not. Because okay, so that directed by- has definitely more than one cast member. Oh, all right, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. And, and I like this, this has, like, there is, it is mainly one actor on screen. Yeah. Um, you know you can ask me questions, right? That That's part of this format. The House of the Devil. No, it's not a nepotism. He's not a nepotism guy. Probably, um, though. Well, uh, when did I rate this at uh, four stars? Uh, about a year ago. 11 months ago you watched it. 11 months ago, okay. Yeah. Doesn't help. Um, uh, 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 when I watched it, was it a new release? Or no, was it no, old, no. An older movie? Uh, like, noughties. Noughties, okay. Yeah, late noughties. Uh, sure. Uh... Okay, is it American? Uh, I, I I think it's a British-American co-production because it was definitely... The director is is British and um, oh, it was okay. made in Britain, but it it's is got, It's American got one movie. person, uh, yeah. mainly. Is, is that one person known for playing uh, racist uh, police officers in other movies? Yes. Okay, is it Moon? It is Moon, yeah. Um... And yeah, like Spacey, boo, uh, uh, is a voice in it, and they're like, yeah, Kaya Scoladero is is on screen as his daughter and shit like that. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, check out Source Code and Moon, everyone. Duncan Jones yeah. only two films, uh, and the last one is an iconic documentary that that they could never understand just how much of a cultural footprint it would have even today and like almost at its peak today. Uh, Stop Making Sense? No, 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 no. Like who, everyone loves Stop Making Sense who's seen it. But but this documentary brought to light part of society that has grown and grown in impact until like uh, there are multiple... Te- Paris is Burning? That's right. Paris yeah. is Burning. Uh, uh, the, which, 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 obviously, ballroom culture had existed for ages at that point, but was like uh, mainstream exposure. Unless you count Vogue, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, we've already talked a lot about Slow Bullet. Yeah, but it is worth stress. Yeah, I want to come back to something I said really early on when I made the joke that the thing that combines these two films is 
a, a, a fractious production because it has to be because so much of slow bullet I th- it, it is so much of its problems it has many but it is so long it is so long yeah, every it is, scene it is, is it is 90 it is 95 it is the longest 95 minute movie you've ever seen I mean Petite Mama is shorter and longer but that's because it contains infinity uh, uh, in a truly incapturable way, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and you know, you know, uh, the squid and the whales all is like 84 and sends me into memory raptures about, um, my childhood. So it's, it's like 30 years long, but I, I understand what you're saying, you know? Um, and it is so much of it is just stuff you'd cut, just cut. Oh, yeah. Even beyond the lines that they should have cut, like there's so much a talking catism of like, which gets real Garth Marenghi's dark place of people just holding in shots too long or like a scene finishes, then everyone walks away and you hear the doors shut and that's it. And it's like... Well, and like, and like, when it gets to the final, the, the like final extended flashbacks, which is the last like twenty five minutes of the movie, is all like non flashbacks. My note uh, on that right. is fifty minutes into this film, the story begins. Yeah, and it's just these like interminable scenes of these dudes sitting around in what is clearly just like a park in Florida somewhere. Have all the grime on their face clearly make up. Yes, yeah. and, so and, and just having like interminable conversations that are supposed to like 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 give us real sense of these characters like oh this guy's a real ladies man and like this guy he's got he's got a different thing going on and this guy huh, you better get a load of this guy and like this is like there, there are all these fucking conversations where nothing where like nothing of interest is said and you and you were introduced to all of these guys and we've all got nicknames but they're all immediately forgettable like one like one's real name is Romero but everyone calls him Romeo because you know he's a he's a ladies man and one's called TH because he's well, no, and, and they love contempt they love that joke from the end of <laughs> yeah. contempt remember and and like one of them's called cowboy because he's got a hat and yeah and it's not even particularly stetson no it's not you could you could put maybe half a gallon in that hat Oh, yeah. Why? I'm always disappointed on how hats have stayed within the imperial system. Yeah. Because, you know, you know how many mills most hats are. Anyway. And, and like, this, this is the peak of a film that is just copying other Vietnam War films. This is the peak down to, like... One of his friends is shot. He's cradling his friend and being like, "Remember, we're gonna go to Vegas. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna see those hot ladies. We're gonna fuck shit up." Yeah. And then he looks down, sees his dead, and is like, "No." Yeah. And, it is and, and just one of the guys, you know, like shoots two Vietnamese women who are only ever shown from the back because they're just clearly not Vietnamese. He like shoots these two Vietnamese women and then like goes over to one of them and is like looking down at her bleeding out and says something like, Well, pussy's pussy and starts undoing his pants and then uh, rapes this dying woman and then cuts her finger off and then yeah. and then Buddy the main guy's like, 
hey, man, do you think you could just go around doing stuff like that? Let's mess up. And then one of the other guys is like, hey, stop fighting everyone. They're the real enemy out there. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we, we need to focus. We need to focus on that. Uh, it's 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 so it's so it's so weird and it's so gross. Uh, let's see. I I, 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 start, I started taking notes again for the first time in ages on on on, on these movies. Uh, just because I knew I would not remember anything otherwise. Uh, like like near 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 the beginning in one of the first flashbacks, there is another scene which is basically. Stolen from from Apocalypse Now, where they like do their version of Colonel Kilgore being obsessed with surfing, where they have one of the commanding officers who's like obsessed with a, like a little piece of trivia that he keeps bringing up all the time. In the second scene, where you where you meet his wife, she comes home from like being a nurse, and he's sitting on the couch like drawing, and and she says hi, and he's immediately like, "Fuck you! What do you mean by that?" And they have a they have a boring argument, and then at one point he like goes to hit her, and, and she's like, "Go ahead, do it." And then one of the songs starts up, so it's like, "Go ahead, do it." And then there's like a drum fill, and someone going, "Yo!" I, I believe that, that's that. Great. Uh, I believe that is the song that's bang bang. You're dead. You're fucking dead. <laughs> and at the end of that was my favorite line delivery of the film. Which is uh, when members of the platoon start being killed, one dies and they turn and see his body. And our lead in in ADR says flat as anything. Oh fuck <laughs> no! Be like fifth Ernie monologue. Buddy is talking about like Ernie is the guy he was going to go to Vegas yeah, with. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like revealed like. Uh, yeah, it's like revealed in, in, the, in the like last thing. Like Ernie was his best friend who died in Vietnam, whatever. But like the structure they're attempting is like the theory. I'm sure is first half of the film is like this guy is so fucked up. He did something in Vietnam. What was it? Then we see, and then we see the consequences. Yeah. But it does just end up being like a film that is like a lumpy cold <laughs> soup, like uh, uh, unacceptable minestrone. Yeah. Slash. Like a fan video for an unplayably difficult '80s Nintendo <laughs> war game. He, he is, sorry, you were saying. Yeah, so it'd be like fifth time he sits in the basement and talks to Ernie. He like does this monologue about how I saw stuff over there, and then when I came back, you know, they called me a baby killer in the Iran hostage crisis. All of those, all of those Marines, they they laid down their guns as the Iranians came towards them. They surrendered, but when they came home, they were treated as heroes, but they were pussies. Uh, and it's it's just like a really great bit of of these writers like clearly working out the issues with the with the Iran hostages. Maybe the best piece of physical comedy in any movie. There's a bit in the final flashback where Th uh, Trigger Happy gets shot, and like Buddy is trying to open some like field bandages to, to like wrap up his wound. But there are for some reason so many layers of wrapping and plastic around these bandages. They're, yeah. they're like they're like he spends about forty five seconds trying to open these bandages. And he's just like ripping open layers like a greedy child playing pass the parcel. It is, uh, it is, it is fantastic. Um, and it's just another bit that is only in there because it makes the film longer. Yes. Like so much uh, of this film feels like uh, Homer writing Flanders sucks and <laughs> uh, Flanders stinks at the end of his 
restaurant review to get to the word count. Yeah. And like that is like, I assume the fractious part of this production is that they were like, Big Mama, who, who the animate hat with sexy lips giving you videos. Uh, um, sorry, it's, it's also a Phoenix distributors production. That's the first logo you've seen. It just really looks like a giant bird pissing itself. It's supposed to look like fire, but it's too yellow. Anyway, um, is that they were like, fuck, we promised a feature. We do not have enough material. Yeah. We're just, we have to stretch this. And it just feels like I am surprised there's not that much slow motion. Yeah. I mean, and the slow motion there is, is a handicam video effect. Yeah. But like, like instead of slow motion, they just use the same seven shots of war trauma over and over again. But but like, I I think my, my, my like favorite bit of filmmaking in this where like, they just do something that is really, really off is in the, like, section where all these guys are getting picked off by the, like, one Viet Cong guy. The, like, rapist guy goes for a piss, and so he, he's standing in the clearing with his back to the camera, and the camera is like, on a tripod, just, like, looking at his back. And then it cuts to a shot of the Viet Cong guy, like, sneaking up on him. And, and so the Viet Cong guy is shot from the front, and the camera's, like, moving with him as he sneaks towards this guy. But then it keeps cutting back to the static tripod shot from behind, and then... Cutting between that shot and the, like, mobile shot looking at the Vietnamese guy as he's sneaking up. But, like, in in another movie, you would use that camera behind him. You, you would move that forward to make it feel like this guy was moving towards him. But see, they have this, this like, they, they, they have these shots of movement and these shots. Oh, and these, like, static shots that are supposedly, that, like, the same, that, that are, like, supposedly the same thing. And... It just feels very, very odd. The piece of filmmaking I like in it is that at the very end, his flashbacks of of shooting this Vietnamese person get so bad that in the middle of the night, his wife disturbs him and he shoots her. Yeah. Um, And and then there is an amazing uh, crash zoom on his horrified face, which I genuinely think is really good. And is like, oh yeah, if you had the guts to be like, sorry, Big Mama, we uh, uh, we don't have enough for a feature. We could cut this down to an incredibly tight and promising fifteen to twenty five minutes. Like that is the ending, because then just boom, right into credits, no buffer, all killer, no filler, except it's all filler, <laughs> one killer. The, no, there's a bunch there's of a bunch killers. Of killers. The, 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 yeah, the Vietnam War was a was a war crime beginning to end. Anyway, here the most important thing that we have not yet mentioned is that everyone is doing silly voices. <laughs> like the lead guy is so he's trying so hard to be Martin Sheen. Sure, yeah. And uh the psychiatrist is so, trying so hard to be like uh uh East Coast. And they're clearly not. They're clearly all Floridians. The best example is that the wife is doing a Southern accent so poorly that she ends up sounding like Anna Delvey, the scammer with the bizarre accent. Yeah, it's a really bad accent from her. Yeah, it's like, well, how do you, how are you? It's like, it's crazy. It sounds like the beginning of a No Doubt song. And it's upsetting because, because, like, otherwise, when she's not talking... The bits of her are the best parts of the movie because she's 
like she's nice to look at unlike everything else yeah i don't like you saying that at all uh, 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 mainly because the film is working so hard to make that happen yeah. i guess what we're saying at least from my perspective slow bullet is shite uh yeah i think it's uh quite bad yeah it's not ter- it's like a failed attempt but also like have you on the hot fuzz dvd watched Edgar Wright has put one of his shorts on there. Uh, uh, no, I've never watched that. Although I do, I do have that DVD. Probably it is. They're at about the same level. Edgar Wright's is 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 weirder and, but like in terms of skill of production. Mm. So like I could easily see the people who made Slow Bullet then going like you know, uh, 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 Sam Raimi had to make a bad film before he could make. Uh, 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 the Evil Dead 2, you know? Like, but it is not one of those. It's not, it's not Tommy Wiseau bad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Oh, no, well, like, Tommy Wiseau is that, like, when you watch The Room or, uh, uh, uh or, um, like, Manos, The Hands of Fate, mm. you are like, no. This is from such a, a flawed mind sure, that it yeah. could never get better. Whereas this, like, they could learn and, like, it is bad, but no one is doing an imba- There's no one in it where you're like, oh, fuck, you know? Like, I presume you could direct good performances out of all of these people. It's just that they're not doing that. Uh, I think it looks okay, and its biggest problem was being shot on video, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, but the, the shooting on video makes a lot of sound about it look like abysmal. Yeah, um, and not leaning into video strengths. There are many ways to make video look good. So, I guess I'm yeah, I'm saying it's shite, and I'm also saying like this is a hard film to find. It is not worth seeking out. It's not a fun bad. It's just frustrating. Yeah. Um, and all the moment, like all the moments of like, oh shit, are like really gross, like the the sexual violence bit or mm. the the shooting people bits. They are, they are they are the peaks of badness, but unlike oh hi Mark, uh, they are of horrific things happening. So it's not it's hard to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, where do you stand on it, Finn? I also think that it is shite. It's not enjoyable to watch. Uh, some some of the songs are pretty funny. They're like, yeah, no, it, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not. It, it the is, songs are the best part. Oh yeah. If you re, if you sincerely love Annette, check out. I wish it was a bit more Rock of Ages. Uh, look for Slow Dot Bullet Dot Nineteen Eighty Eight Dot uh, we have ranked lists. We certainly do. Of all the films or we have watched for this. Mine does not have Showa on it, because I think it would be obscene to rank Slow Bullet and Showa on the same list. And it also does not contain Neil Breen five feature film retrospective, because uh, it's not on Letterboxd. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it is symbolically at both zero and 270-something. Uh, 170 something. Um, I have Slow Bullet 
at number 131, which is above The Snowman and beneath Intolerance, Love, Struggle Through the Ages. And the thing, I know that's pretty high, but like The Snowman and Beneath are like films where I'm like, this is not a film. You didn't make a film. It's broken. Whereas in this, like, it sucks, but they made a film, you know? I have it at number 162, below Blubberella, but but above Gotti. So you think Blubberella is better than it? I, I, I would rather watch Blubberella again than watch Slow Bullet again. Yeah, we gotta get you into therapy, man. Like, we gotta really... I mean, I definitely if... don't want to watch either of them. Yeah, no, no, no. But, but Finn, there's just a lot of help that talking, you know, can do. Just letting out the demons. You know it's not a crime to just let yourself rest. And that if you trust your own mind, you don't need to always be attacking yourself. That said, Slow Bullet's bad. We got to it by someone on a podcast saying it's the worst film ever. Yeah. We both agree, obviously. Uh, I think it's a consensus. A universal one, everyone who's seen it at least. Maybe the people, it's a real Ketzel Sterling situation and that they really like what they made. But I, I suggest even Big Mama didn't like this one. In fact, I'm so sure no one would like this film that I will, there's, you know, the, 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 the plate glass French uh, doors, the sliding yeah. doors, uh, I'm looking at them right now. You provided any proof of any, even a faintly positive response to this film. I will get right up, walk straight through that window. Uh, you thought I found a five star review of Slow Bullet. Oh, well, say goodbye to this pretty face. Footsteps, 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 faster, faster, smash, smash. Ah, ah, ah. Step, step, step. Oh, I'm all gashed. I'm back. Read me this five star review. Okay, uh, uh, this is a five-star review on Amazon.com. Ah, yeah. It's, uh, by, it's by Beth Jesus. There were uh, no reviews of this on, on Letterboxd because uh, three people have locked it, including me and Yupa. And it uh, doesn't were, have a feature image. Yeah, there, 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 are, there are no reviews of it on IMDb, and there are three, and there are three reviews of it on Amazon, one of which is from the the guy who did the like the the, the, the guy who did the weapons handling for the film. Uh, so, there, it does have an entry on Mubi.com, so we can only assume yeah, it it'll does. show up there one day. That <laughs> someone yeah. who worked on this film gave it five stars. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. This is the other person who didn't work on the film who gave it five stars. So this is a five star review by Michael. This should be part of every curriculum for any psychoanalysis class or a class dealing with mental issues of our returning not, veterans. Not wrong. Like, not not in the terms <laughs> they mean it, though. Knowing one of the actors, there was some license taken by the director, but the base storyline is what is experienced by most returning veterans, be it Vietnam or for those returning from the sandbox. I, like, I want to be clear. I understand that in spirit, but it does really seem like they're implying that all veterans end up shooting their wives. Uh, It certainly does sound like that. I want to be clear. There's a horrific amount of domestic violence uh, in in veterans uh, because of trauma. I just don't think these specific... Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so usually uh, usually I would uh, uh, try to get you to get some films that Michael liked. 
Uh, I couldn't do that. Amazon would not let me see the other things he'd reviewed. So I have changed my letterbox top four. Oh, right. Okay. And, uh, but here's the thing. My rule for this top four was uh, everything had to have 11,000 or fewer views on Letterboxd. Okay. So what was... uh, Let's start with the most viewed one, if you can remember. Uh, Okay. The most viewed one uh, has already been mentioned uh, by one of us this episode. Ah, okay. Is it uh, an American film? It is. Is it? It's in the English language? It is. Is it a 70s film? It is not. Okay. Is it a... Is it this millennium? It is. Ah, uh, all right. Is it... Uh, ooh, does it contain fantastical elements? It's got sci-fi stuff in it. And we're not talking in a Matilda slash Toy Story <laughs> way where this is going to send me way adrift. No, there are very clear science fiction elements in this movie. <clears throat> is it science fiction set in the present or a supposed future? Uh, it is never stated, but but, it, but but everything looks pretty much like the present. Uh, all right. Um, upstream color. <laughs> nope. Primer. No. The Endless. No. Is it independent? It is independent. Ah, okay. Lapsus. No, it is a movie we watched for this podcast. Age of Dragons. Sorry, it it, it is a movie I showed you for this podcast. Ah, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what a good film. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Check okay. it out. Bowling ball punch. The thing uh, we've talked about the most on this podcast <laughs> without cutting it. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, let's see. What's the next most uh, popular one of these films? Uh, God, so we've started at Universal to yeah. Soldier Day Reading and now we're going less pot. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yes, after this, it's uh, 7,000 views, and, uh, and then the other two have, uh, two fa- have roughly 2,000 views each. Oh my god, I hate you. You, 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 you will hear me talk about at least two of these films. Alright. The next film is part of a series that I watched this year. You watched the whole of this series? Yep. Are, are you counting, is it a Columbo? It is no, it's not a Columbo. Uh, all right, I'm not sure if I fully trust you on that. I feel like are they? Is it like Raiders of the Lost Ark? How Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, are they added in Jenna Jones later? Is it like the Columbo version of that? Uh, no. The, the first film of the series is like name, and then the second film is name colon blur. Uh, so it is uh, Venom. Let there be carnage. Incorrect. Okay. Uh, Is it it in the English language? It is not. And is it it a crime film? No, this series uh, takes place mostly inside prisons. Oh, so so it's a female prisoner scorpion film? Yes. Uh, I don't know any more than... That's okay. It is a Female Prisoner Scorpion, Jailhouse 41, the second Female Prisoner Scorpion film. Okay. The next one. Yeah. This is by uh, one of my favorite directors. Uh, I don't know if you've seen anything that, that he's done, but I talk about him a lot. Is it 
from Europe? Uh, yes. Okay. The Union or the continent? Uh, the Union. Okay. So is it French? Oh, sorry. By the Union, I meant uh, the, the United Kingdom. Oh, right. Not the European Union, no, which no. they're not. Okay, cool, cool. So we did get an answer to my question. Um, is it in, is it set in the present or the past? It is set in the past. It is set okay. in a, in a specific historical event. Oh, um, oh no, Mike Lee isn't one of your guys. No, but uh, I'm sure he will be eventually. I don't, we'll see. I don't know. I don't, I wonder what your take on his films will be. Um, that's for when we do Killing Me Mike Lee. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Is it this millennium? No. Is it in colour or black and white? It is in black and white. Ah, oh, ah, oh, I have seen bits of it. It's that two-pack, the Watkins. Yes, it is Culloden. Oh, yeah, and the other one is War Game, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, once I get this uh, computer, the, the, the Unraid server... Uh, working again, because now it just won't turn on. Life is pain. Uh, 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 that's where K- Culloden is. And uh, yeah, I've watched bits of both. They're great. Mm. Yes, they are. And the last one is... <laughs> it is like one that I will make you watch for, for, for the podcast one day on, on like a 50 or 100th episode uh, oh, type thing. No. Um, okay. Uh, it's a documentary. Um... Is it on, okay, this documentary subject, is it uh, uh, an event, an object, or people? Uh, People. Uh, Okay, so are those people uh, related by blood or association? Uh, Association. Uh, Okay, so it's about like, oh, is it about a band? It is about a band. Uh, Okay, cool. Is it one of the bands you like? Is that why you it like is. this film? Oh, it okay, is one of the okay. bands I like. So is is there is is there a film about the Clash? There is a film about the Clash. It's not this one. Is it a film about Steve Albini? Uh, sadly, I don't believe there are any films about Steve Albini. Oh wait, wait one second. I just have to Google something. Although Steve Albini did work with this band. Although, although, I, yeah. I, I want, no, 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 stop there. Yeah. I want you to know now that I think I know who the band is. So I just simply, I simply have to write, uh, yeah, okay. Film, instrument. It is instrument, the film about Fugazi. It is, it is instrument by Jim Cohen, the film about yeah, Fugazi. I claim my five pounds. <laughs> I've never heard of that film. Yeah, it's. Very good. It's available on YouTube. I think that's the only place you can find it. That's or you a can great it. poster. Or you can buy, yeah, no, it's, yeah, fantastic poster. And yeah, the, the like, only place you can get it, uh, it's on YouTube, or you can, or you can buy a VHS or DVD from, from Discord Records website. And that's it. It is, it has never been released, it's never been remastered and released on Blu-ray. That is like one of those things I think about where like, Oh man, if I if I won, you know, if I won like lotto, like after you know helping people and stuff, I'm, like yeah. I would, I would fucking. Ted, 
a hundred k for a feature would would go a real long way for me. Yeah, really no, 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 sure. But yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would give some money to to like Jim Cohen and Fugazi. And be like, do what you need to do to all of it, like sixteen millimeter footage if it still exists, and let's 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 get it up in high definition. Oh. Uh, uh, a 4K release of the uh, the uh, the longer cut of Jesse James Robert Ford. Yeah, no. maybe that, or um, I don't know, a recording of the play version of Clerks Three. That's you know, there's never going to have anybody wrote the script. I guess finding out what the second and, and the third and on sequences and. The human centipede, because we obviously <laughs> we saw the first and second sequence, and then it was final sequence. There was so many sequence. other. Yeah, Tom Six, director yeah. of the Human Centipede films. Uh, let us know. Yeah, I'd love to I see. Assume you're a listener. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's a big fan of big fan of a pod. Uh, Finn. Yes. Finn. 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 Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh, who gives a shit? Do not seek me out. Uh, like Colonel Kurtz, I am up the river in Cambodia, just having a bad time in the jungle. Uh, if you come and find me, I will uh, cut off the head of your chef. Uh, but and then you'll wake up and find her, and you'll just scream and scream. Yeah. Uh, but you can find the show on Twitter at ShartSoundPod, or you can email us at shitesoundpod at gmail.com why not check out our website it's at shiteandsound.com if you like what I do and I hope you do sometimes I do too join the team by following me on all social media platforms on twitter I'm at youthalives on instagram I'm at youthalives on facebook.com type slash youther facebook.com slash youther lives then you'll get my page be a fan i do not post on it if you use linkedin go on there and type in youther dean and i set that up like oh i don't know 10 years ago wonder if it's still there just empty digital golem go to youtube type in the youther show i can't change it i regret it I've, i've hidden a lot of the stuff that's on there Go on Tumblr. I've deleted all my Tumblrs. Live journal, that's all gone too. Ha ha. But my MySpace is still out there. See if you can find it. Please do not. Or you can sign up for my newsletter at bit.ly slash youthalives. I have two other podcasts. One is called The Witching Hours. It's an eerie audio anthology. And the other is called The Slow Path, where me and my partner, Briar, watch Doctor Who until we die. Our theme song is The Nux. By Kazam Blam. You can check him out on Bandcamp. Boo. Bandcamp. Yeah. Bandcamp Friday's way to go. Bandcamp Friday is also uh, today, I believe, if you are... Oh, yep, yep. There is an hour and 45 minutes left. So as soon as this is done, I will uh, go and buy some stuff. Oh, wow. Congratulations to money. Finn, what are you watching next week? Next week we are covering... Films by two of the defining directors of the Shite and Sound podcast, Jean-Luc Godard's Brutalist and Martin Brest's Gili. Our last time with Godard? Yeah. Um, our last time with Brest, maybe? Uh, okay, I just looked at the cast list for Gili. Yeah. And 
And I think there's someone in this movie who is uh, Danny DeVito working under a pseudonym because there was someone called Lenny Venito. <laughs> I mean, I'm most excited to see Benefer. I love them so much, and they're finally yeah. in a film together. I'm yeah. going to love it. Um, and Breathless. It's good. I wish Gene Seberg had been on the Titanic. Then I would have changed everything. Gene Seberg. It's a funny laugh, Finn. It's a funny like, laugh to make. Like I, I, I currently have a disease which has killed millions of people around the globe in the last few years. Yeah, and that was the worst thing that's happened to me recently. Well, her name wasn't <laughs> Gene C. Novel Coronavirus. It's you know what? It certainly wasn't. <laughs> we we can all agree on that. Yeah. Um. If you like the show, and with content like this, I know who you've had wouldn't? To, you've pulled who, your car who, over. Who isn't? Who isn't gagging for more of this? Oh, just look. I understand that you're rolling in the aisles uh, 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 of of your bus, laughing at Gene C. Novel <laughs> coronavirus. But please take a moment to to stop. Wipe the tears from your face and the sweat from your body. So vigorously have you been shaking with laughter for the past, I'm going to say, under two hours, but a strong one, dense episode, I think. Um, and think about how maybe you could recommend this to your friends, your enemies, if you don't like it. Uh, 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 we're an acquired taste and it'd be great if more people could acquire it. And so remember yeah. to tweet about it with this week's hashtag. Finn, what's this week's hashtag? Uh, hashtag, uh, I love the smell of content in the morning. Okay, or, or, um, hashtag apocalypse, then more like. That was one of the it, negative reviews. Oh, great. Yeah, great. No, isn't good, it? Good, 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 great, great, good, great stuff. You know the whole stuff about, like, Kurtz is basically being like, we are not people, we are animals. We should remember we are animals and and not care. It's very interesting to me that kind of, that's obviously that never appeals to Martin Sheen. He's obviously, you get narration being like, this guy's fucking crazy. But Brando is so compelling that you're kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that feeling. You ever like sitting at a food court? I, was one, I once missed my plane, so I'd spend nine hours in a food court um, just watching I people. I mean, it sounds like something you'd do. I was reading a book. Yeah, which I mean, review I've, Doctor I've, I've Who also, novels one by one, just to be clear. I mean, I've also, I've also read books in, a, in an airport before. I've never missed my plane because of it. No, I I missed my plane because I slept in that day. Oh, oh right. I, and I, Sorry, I, was, I, thought, I thought I thought you were like at the gate and you were just too engrossed in. in <laughs> that do, in, I, it does sound like something I do, but I did not do. Yeah. It, you know? Okay. Uh, uh, but in that food court, you ever done this? You just look at people and you're just like, look at us. We're just animals without. <laughs> Bones growing into our mouths to tear it flesh. We're nothing. And and I think that part of me really agrees with Kurtz. 
Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go, Go watch them. Awesome. I was in Paris for about six weeks rehearsing with Michel MacLeamore. And well, when I'm with a homosexual, I get a little homosexual to make them feel at home, you know, just to keep Michael comfortable. I, I, I kind of, I kind of camped a little to, 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 to sort of bring him out so he, so he wouldn't feel like he was with a terrible straight. I, yeah, is that good or bad? <laughs> I can't tell. Is that, did Orson Welles just cancel himself or is he a new folk hero or even more of a folk hero? The person who retweeted onto my timeline uh, as, as seems to be a gay person and saying happy birthday to this pioneering ally of gay men uh, okay okay good I mean Orson Welles has boisterously slept with some boys right oh, like uh, yeah uh, 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 I presume like yeah the guy studied theater at school he's at least tried it he, he he ran he, the theater department yeah yeah he, he, he owns the theater department at school that is yeah, that's an incredibly pansexual move. <laughs> And so, 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 and